That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. Welcome back to the Southeast Blood Podcast. We've got Brendan with us today. It's been a hot minute since Brendan graced us with his presence. I don't know what he's been playing at. I mean, he's been around. He just has been super lazy. Where you been, Brendan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> super lazy. I've been diving super. into the draft stuff just like you guys, man. I've been a little more Sacramento-focused than Celtics-focused. But uh, I've been I've been doing some work, man. Come on now. You've been on the underdog focus. Is that what it is? The underdogs? I don't know what you mean. I mean, Sacramento ain't exactly uh, pack leaders either. Yeah, I don't That's know if fine. they qualify as underdogs too. No, because might just see people to win, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, play nice, play nice. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, everyone, Tim's here with us too. Hey, guys. So as everybody knows, we're going to be doing different episodes where we speak to different people who cover a specific team to slowly build out our big board before we release a mock draft episode once we've spoke to every single team cover. Brendan was just a consensus choice between myself and myself for the Kings because he's already part of the podcast. He covers the Kings quite in depth and he's meant to be on at least one a week. So we get Brendan to talk Kings. It just kills two birds with one stone. Brendan, my man, where are you expecting the Kings to fall? Because I'm looking at Tankathon right now, and their mock draft has the Kings putting in at 12th. Yeah, that's that's the most likely odds. They got an 86% chance of sitting there. Um, and then, obviously, if another team were to jump up, they could fall back to 13. Um, but they also got, you know, a little bit of a, I think it's about a 5% chance of jumping into the top four. So you always got to consider that possibility. You know, you saw with New Orleans, and we've seen it with some teams in the past, especially with the new odds. Five uh, percent, not nothing, but more than likely, we're talking about the twelfth pick here. So who and honestly, I'm a little happier to not be at the top of the draft for this one. Yeah, it's, it's not a great deep. draft. No, it's deep. It's not top heavy. Yeah, yeah. there's no I, stars I, per se. Right. I'd rather be probably like seven or eight compared to twelve. Um, even like six, something like that. But yeah, because whoever you're picking top one, two, three, I mean, you're paying a lot of money for a guy that, you know, you talk about Anthony Edwards, like he could be a negative con- contributor for two years when you're paying him a ridiculous amount of money. Isn't it like four years? It's like four years, 40 million is like the scale of it now. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say you're paying him even more than 10 million a year. But yeah, I mean, you're definitely paying these guys a lot. And who knows what sort of contributors you're going because this draft, I mean, the issue with the top is that the guys with the high ceilings also have really low floors, like could not be in the league in a couple of years type floors. So who have you been looking at? Who's the guy you want at 12? And I agree the floors are on these guys are quite low. Yeah. I mean, okay. So the guy I've really been into and you're going to see just, I mean, be popular throughout the draft, I think is Devin Vassell from Florida State. Um, he's been a really impressive defender. And the guy you see him compared to is Isaac Okoro because these are both about six, 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 seven wings that you're talking that are just very defensive focused. And you see Vassell be a, a playmaker on the defensive end and really an off-ball playmaker. He's getting you a good amount of steals and, and some blocks there. He's a, he's a disruptive playmaker on that end. And Okoro's more of a – he's got the same build as Anthony Edwards, which is just a freakish – 
NBA body. You think of like a Jimmy Butler um, that is more of an on-ball defender. But the difference is that Okoro is shooting 28% from three and Vassell shooting 41% from three. Um, so that right there is going to make the fit a lot easier for Vassell in a lot of places and the floor a lot higher too. A lot of people have actually been picking Vassell to end up with Sacramento. I looked at a couple different mocks. Generally, uh, Sacramento has been landing around 12, as you said. That's their highest percentile chance. Um, there have also been a couple other players that have been mentioned, but generally it's been Devin Vassell, who's a six foot seven wing from Florida State. So um, outside of that, I also know that there was Precious, I think it's Precious Achiwa, um, who has been another player that's been mentioned. And I also ended up pulling up an article. Um, from a Royal Payne from Anthony Cardenas, so one of your uh, fellow writers over for a Royal Payne, Sacramento's affiliate site for fan cited. Um, he's also mentioned a couple other names potentially that could fall there, or if Sacramento ends up jumping up into that top four like we discussed, um, potentially a guy like Anthony Edwards, um, maybe Denny uh, Advija, uh, who played for mm-hmm. uh, Tel Aviv. What are your thoughts on guys like that? Yeah, so with Anthony Edwards, I mean, I think that you kind of have to take him first because to me, he's the only guy that projects to potentially be like a, a a potential superstar in the league. And I hesitate to say that because it's probably a stretch, but like you see this um, stretch that he did against, uh, I don't want to get the team wrong, but he did it in Maui uh, towards the beginning of the year where he just, I mean, he's an off the dribble shooter and, and sometimes the shot, not even sometimes his shot selection is extremely questionable, but when he's knocking them down, he's borderline unstoppable on that end. He's a freak athlete. He cuts ridiculously well. Um, and Sacramento is looking for a three for sure. Um, and sliding Barnes down to the four would be the logic there. Um, that would be the best fit. But with, uh, with Anthony Edwards, I mean, you have some hope that he's just a good enough NBA body that he could fit the three. And I think that his ceiling is so much higher than these other guys that you kind of have to look at him first. And then if you're talking Denny, like Denny scares me that he could be Mario Hazonia. And like, we're obviously I'm kind of just throwing the European comp out there, but you look at him like he's not getting a lot of run in his Euro league team. Um, and it, it's just kind of, um, it, it's uninspiring play that you're seeing from him. There's a high IQ, but at the same time, he's n- not, uh, shown a great ability with his jump shot either. So there's going to be a lot of reliance on that. And most of Denny's value to me, like is a playmaking wing and he's also just six, eight. And I think that's some of the biggest value is if you're looking for a six, eight guy, like you're saying when you're then the next guy in the draft is probably like the, the precious that you mentioned, or uh, you start to get a little bit later, uh, Aaron Neesmith. And those guys have probably more issues than Denny, but, I don't know. It's just, I, I really worry about these low floor guys that like, I don't think Sacramento could handle another bust really. So I'd kind of lean towards these high floor guys, which if Sacramento were to jump up like today on, um, on Kings pulse every day, we are three times a week, two times a week. One of those two, we've been doing two guys uh, for their draft profiles. And the one I'm recording later today is Onyeka Kongwu from USC and then Obi Toppin from Dayton. And I'm starting to formulate an argument that I think Onyeka could be my number one pick um, if Sacramento were to be sitting there at number one. I know I just said all this stuff about Anthony Edwards and I would give him strong consideration, but Onyeka just has such a high floor 
as a rim protector. Like you think of a uh, Brandon Clark sort of build or like a Bam Adebayo with a bit more size to him that I, I think has potential defensive player of the year sort of capabilities and is just an elite role man and you know what you're getting. And I think that's sort of what Sacramento needs to look for because even though I think they have this feeling around the league that they're viewed at as a, viewed at as a young team, the only young pieces really are De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. And Bagley has a big question. So like they're kind of trying to win now and I would be looking towards higher floor guys probably. Onyeka is good because he was also another one that was mentioned by Anthony in his article. I know they were also really, really fond of Alex Lund. He's kind of turned out to be this really pleasant surprise for the Kings. Um, and with Harry Giles, his option was declined, so he seems very much prepared to walk. Um, how does that front court situation impact how you draft in terms of a guy like Onyeka Mukongu? Yeah, I mean, like, Holmes is the main guy I think of probably there. Um, and I think that they're comparable. But Sacramento allowed the highest opponent field goal percentage at the rim. And Holmes did a great job in doing that, but it was a surprisingly good job. Um, and Holmes is not really a long-term solution to me. Like, he's only going to be there for one more year after this season on a good deal. And then who knows how much you have to pay him. Um, that that's not a guy that I'm necessarily not drafting someone because he's on the team as much as I like Holmes or like Len. Um, and then the Bagley situation obviously is interesting. Um, I think Onyeka does a great job helping Bagley on defense, um, but the offense obviously would be a concern because Bagley's not a shooter himself. They would both be rollers. Um, but to me, Sacramento needs this defense. Like Buddy Heald is a terrible defender. De'Aaron Fox, um, I think of as more of an off-ball defender, and he's going to get blown by and needs someone to hold down the paint. And I just think Onyeka's perfect for that. And I don't think anyone, any of the bigs on the roster, mainly, like you mentioned, Holmes and Alex Len, are a reason to not be drafting there. Well, going with what you started with with Devin Vassell and falling around the 12th spot, which is the most likely. And if you do move up, then we can def- I can definitely see why you'd go for Onyeka. But if you're landing around 12 and getting Devin Vassell, how do you feel that affects Buddy and Bogdanovich and how their play is going to be? I mean, Buddy's having a was having a tough end to the season under Luke Walton anyway. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that um, that Buddy Hill is not on the Kings next year because there have been things coming out uh, saying, and this was during the year, and apparently it's better now, but who knows, that, that Buddy, a source close with Buddy uh, that had knowledge of his thinking was the way it was worded that if Buddy's not starting again, that he could request out of Sacramento. And honestly, Sacramento did great without Buddy starting and Buddy did good coming off the bench. So I I would like to think that he doesn't get too caught up in that. Um, But either way, I think that the both of those guys are, are twos and pretty strictly twos. And I think Vassell, you can play at the three. Um, So I don't think there's too many issues. And then I think you just slide Barnes to the four. And I think that works pretty seamlessly. As much as I like Okoro for his feel, because I think you really have to comp those two guys. Um, As much as I like Okoro for his feel and his playmaking on the offensive end, like he's never doing anything out of what he's capable of. You're never like, man, what are you doing right now? Um, There's not those frustrations. You see winning plays, like, you know, the term that, Marcus is pretty much coined at this point. Um, you see more of those from Okoro, but 
Vassell, you have to have shooting. If you're talking about De'Aaron Fox, who needs the spacing. And, you know, Marvin Bagley, if you do consider him as part of the future, which is up in the air considering he played 13 games this entire year um, and was already seen as a project. So the shooting need is so desperate that I think Vassell is why I lean that. Um, You know, there was a game this year he hit 7-7 from three. And people say his defense is comparable and some like it better than a Coro. I would disagree, um, but it's close enough that that shooting puts it over the hunch. And then I think, yeah, Vassell, 6'10 wingspan. I think he's playing the three and fitting just fine alongside Buddy and Bogey. That pretty much sums up exactly who you want in Vassell. But what happens if Vassell goes before your pick? Who's your backup guy? If a Coro and Vassell both off the board by the time the Kings come to pick, who's your backup guy? Yeah, I have to... uh, I do have to dive a little bit better into the further back of this, but uh, I'm, I am I do think that there's a good chance Tyrese Maxey falls. And as much as that is kind of overlapping with this Buddy Bogey thing, like I said, I think there's a chance Buddy's not on the roster next year. And Tyrese Maxey is like the comp you see him getting is Marcus Smart. And I probably just have a soft spot, but I would freaking love a guy that's running – running so much on the offensive end to keep up with Fox if Sacramento decides to pick up the pace again. Um, And that can be a defensive anchor there. To me, I just think there's a possibility he falls and the talent is good enough there that you kind of have to take it. But after that, I think you're looking at some of these other threes. You think like a Sadiq Bey, who I'm not the most educated on his defense, but you're getting some nice three-point shooting there. Aaron Neesmith, who I've seen a lot of skepticism with, but in really short, in really small volume, shot 50% from three this year. Um, plays for Vanderbilt. Sadiq Bey was Villanova. Um, these are both small forwards. I, I think that that's the position that you're probably looking at. And then, of course, Vlade Divac loves his international guys. So you do see, man, this name I cannot pronounce. Al- Poku. Yeah, that's how I've seen it said. Uh, Poku, he's power forward. Um, seven feet tall, and he's got some passing to him as well. So it seems like a Vlade soft spot super that I wouldn't skinny be surprised. Though. Yeah. Super yeah, I definitely have to get into him a little more. Yeah, super underdeveloped physically. He's the one guy I've kind of dove into over the last 24, 48 hours. Him and Wiseman have been the two that I've really looked at at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poku can stretch the floor. He can make plays off the bounce. He can rebound. He's, But he is, and I repeat this, he is very, very underbuilt. He'll get bullied in the NBA. He he looks like, do you remember when Paul Zingas first came into the league and he looked yeah. like that one one rung fall and he would snap? Mm-hmm. So he's he looks to be slimmer than Paul Zingas was when Paul Zingas entered the league. Yeah. I feel like anyone that drafts Poku would be better served stashing him away in Europe and waiting for his body to kind of naturally fill out before bringing him over to the NBA. Then. And then you do see like a, uh, I, I like Patrick Williams potential, but he's a really raw prospect. I know the draft guy for what previously was uh SB nation Sacktown royalty. And is now uh, the Kings Herald really likes Jalen Smith from Maryland as a offensive fit next to Marvin Bagley, a four that is stretching the floor and doing absolutely everything you would want on that end. Um, and obviously, you know, the best version of that offensively is Obi Toppin, who is the consensus player of the year in college basketball, the best player in college basketball this year. And I kind of see as a uh, John Collins on offense, but the defense is 
horrifying um, and, and there's a lot of concerns there and that that's really what my main focus would be is getting some nice I would prefer interior defense which is why like I said I'm really leaning on Yeka if Sacramento is if they do jump up into this top four um, but more than likely yeah you're, you're talking about a like I said Devin Vassell and then you start to look at some of these other threes that could possibly be available in that range as well. Sadiq Bay is really highly rated. I had um, Adam Spinella on this podcast, who's a coach at Dickinson College, a Division Three college, and also part of Celtics Blood. And he was on two days ago now, where he and he mentioned Sadiq Bay as a guy that he's really high on. Feels like his upside is tremendous. His shooting ability is great, and he feels like he just kind of plugs every hole you need off a rookie free that would be able to come in and play those minutes off the bench where you need buckets. He's also got a good wingspan. I feel like Sadiq Bay might actually be beneficial for Boston, but he could really elevate the Kings as well, especially if he was coming off the bench. Yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting. Um, I, I definitely don't mind a 45% from three shooter. You know, I, I got to dive into his defense a little bit more there, um, and that's where he's going to fall short of guys like Vassell and obviously Okoro. Um, but yeah, that should be interesting. And then there's Tyler Bay as well, which I am completely uneducated if they're related. I don't think so. I haven't heard that at all, but they got the exact same last name here. Um, so yeah, I think that both of those guys are definitely interesting. I know in Vecini's latest mock, he did have, um, Aaron Neesmith going to, uh, to Sacramento. So yeah, I think that's another interesting one, but yeah, for the most part, I mean, you're looking at these three and D wings and the best three and D wing I'm gonna keep saying it is Devin Vassell. I was giving Tim a chance to talk but he didn't take it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean in terms of if a guy like Vassell isn't there, I know that there's other players that you could potentially be looking at. Um what do you think of Precious out of Memphis? Yeah, honestly I'm not the most educated on him. I, I my understanding is that, you know, as a freshman, he is a lot older and that is kind of misleading. Um, he's nearly 21 years old at the, at the point of the draft. Um, and the three point shooting is a little bit subpar. Um, so it, he's just a little bit more of a raw prospect. And again, I'm, I would personally lean towards higher floors than higher ceilings. Because, like, I, I just don't think Sacramento can handle another bust, really. Like, Yeah, I think Stauskas was, like, the latest blow for them. Yeah, and, I mean, Bagley could potentially be joining that, you know? Like, yeah, I, it's early to, to give up on him, and it's unfair to him, probably. But when you see 13 games for a guy that, to me, was already going to take three years before he was a positive contributor on the floor... Um, it, it definitely is concerning. Um, yeah. And, and I hope people don't get caught up in the whole, you know, we just passed on a European prospect. Now we have to take Denny here. Um, obviously talking about Luca and Denny gives me a lot of skepticism as well, but he does have this really high IQ, which I kind of have a soft spot for and tend to think that guys with high IQs are going to be able to work it out. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, I'm not the most educated on precious, but I, I'm, I'm skeptical to take a, a project for sure. And I like how you keep mentioning you want to go with higher floors rather than higher ceilings because you don't want Kings to miss on another prospect. Being a Celtics fan, we don't have to worry about that. We've hit quite touch wood. We've hit on quite a few prospects recently. But I do understand where you're coming from. This is a draft that's kind of been spoke about in the sense that it's deep in terms of players with high ceilings that could contribute 
that's also probably got the most bust potential across the board this year that we've seen in a while. Is there a player where you're kind of looking at him like, yo, your ceiling is so high that it's worth the risk of how low your floor is? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's Anthony Edwards. Um, and that's probably the only one that I'm really with. Um, you're not Denny, worried about Lamelo. Lamelo. so I uh, sort of put myself out there a little bit and was just really fighting for Lamelo when we did our pod recently on, a, on King's Pulse. And I, it just... I, I think that Lamelo has a higher ceiling than De'Aaron Fox simply for the fact that he's six seven. Even if he needs to put on more weight, and I buy his defense, like you saw Lonzo have some issues with uh, effort on that end in college as well. Like I just buy that Lamelo is going to buy in defensively, which maybe he won't, but I, I tend to think that he's going to. And his vision and dribbling is is, is ridiculous, and probably the top of this class that. I did have a good – I felt like that that was a possibility. But to me, if you bring LaMelo on, him and Fox both need the ball in their hands, that you're not able to properly develop the both of them. And I don't think Sacramento can just move on from Fox and on to LaMelo. So that, that's the reason that I knock LaMelo off, even though I do think that he might have the highest ceiling in this draft. And then just to bring it back to Celtics focus, I want to see who you think would be best going at that 17th spot or around that spot when Boston pick. Yeah. Um, well, this isn't, I, I think he's probably a little bit later, but I have always really liked Trey Jones just for a guy that's going to be giving you, and obviously this is Tyus Jones, a uh, younger brother, point guard out of Duke. Um, but he just has, similar to Tyus, is just a dog on the defensive end and takes care of the ball, a really high assist-to-turnover ratio. Um, so I definitely tend to like that. Um, but aside from that, I'd probably be looking at one of these threes. Like, do you, Okay, so same thing. Like, Do you think that, to, to turn the question to you guys, would you rather go for a high-ceiling guy or a low floor that like you know is going to contribute? I think the thing with the high-ceiling, as you said, with my concerns with the Celtics right now, just because what we've seen with situations like Romeo Langford, situations with Robert Williams, granted his situation has more to do with health, but I don't think as a team that wants to contend, the Celtics can afford to draft a guy that's going to take time and minutes to develop. And I think when you're looking at a guy who you're going to have to invest time into to reach that ceiling – you can't afford that right now because like the way that you're playing and the way that these minutes have been doled out by Brad Stevens. And this isn't by all means, this is not a shot across the bow. I just think when it comes to trying to develop a project player, they're not going to get minutes here. They're going to get minutes in Maine. And I really don't know if that's going to help push a guy that you're picking, you know, in the mid to late teens develop into what you need him to be. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, you're right. I don't think you can get him the run that he needs in order to get that ceiling. Um, so, I mean, I think you start to look at a little bit of the older guys. Like, I think Paul Reed from DePaul is starting to gain a little bit of traction. I think that he's kind of what people are hoping that um, who was that Precious is going to be. And interestingly, he's um, he's actually younger than Precious, even though he's a junior. Um, or I'm sorry, they're, uh, he's a bit older, but they're still going to be the same age at the time of the draft. Um, so I, I think that that's an interesting one. That's going to be a three and D guy that you're getting, uh, from, like I said, from DePaul there, 
Um, and the three-point shot has some concerns. You know, he's about 31% on some fairly low attempts, about two a game. But you get some nice defense there. And I, I think a guy that could fit into what was a pretty shallow Celtics rotation. So if you can just get a guy that, you know, you feel comfortable being the eighth guy off your bench, um, like, like I mentioned, Tyler Bay, I, I, think, I think you start looking at some of these older guys that you know what you're going to get from them. Um, so, yeah, my three probably are Paul Reed, Trey Jones, Tyler Bay. Um, I will have to – I've started towards the top of this draft, and I'm about in the 12 range, so I'm going to have to get back to you when I have a little bit of a better grasp on it. Um, but that's about where I'm at right now. And, yeah, I, I don't know if there's any guys that, like, if they fell and were available there, it's like you have to take them. Like, I see Kira Lewis, Kyra Lewis. I, I'm probably pronoun- – I think I'm pronouncing that first name wrong. Um, point guard from Alabama is gaining a lot of traction, but he's sort of a off the dribble shooter. Um, and, and I don't know how much the uh, Celtics really need that. So yeah, I'd probably be looking at these sophomore junior guys that, that you know are going to contribute at these ever valuable wing positions. I also know that Adams talked about it a little bit, uh, at least on Twitter. If the Celtics don't end up making a trade to consolidate some of these picks, what's your opinion on trying to, draft and stash because I think uh, as you mentioned before with Poku I think he's a guy at a very young age you know he's not even 19 years old he's a seven footer uh, who's played predominantly over in Europe because he is an international player is he a guy that you go ahead and you draft at 17 Uh, I see Tankathon's got him uh, marked Mm -hmm. around there for at least their projections when you do a mock draft the lottery is he a guy that you go ahead and you have him play overseas and try and develop and see where he pans out in a year or two after he's got a little bit more playing time and growing underneath his belt? I I think that could make sense, but I think that the other side of it is you could also say that that's pretty much the same thing as a guy that's a project that you're coming over and playing in the G League. Um, So I, I understand the logic to it because they have so many picks, but I would probably prefer, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that you did a pod on this recently, Adam, um, Celtics packaging these three picks and moving up and just taking a shot at, you know, if you can get a Devin Vassell, if you can get a, I, I mean, if you want to try for an Okoro, I mean, I think that a Kongwu for the Celtics would be absolutely perfect. They would be in love with that guy. If he managed to fall to say seven, which I think is a stretch, but Chicago, you know, maybe is looking for, a little bit more depth compared to just one specific guy or they're not in love with him necessarily. I think there's a chance that, you know, is 17, 26 and 30 appealing to someone at, at like seven there. I spoke to a few people. Uh, when I spoke to Ben Pfeiffer, that was based off the fact that he'd done a podcast with Lupton Hawks a few days prior. And he'd been speaking about that exact thing about trading up as, uh, specifically with Atlanta at the time. From the common consensus is not many teams are going to want to take three picks for one. They might take two picks plus a player to move up, you know, so they take 17 and 26 plus a Philippines maybe. Depends how highly or low people are on Romeo Langford or how high they, high they are on the player that's going to be falling at that draft position at the time. But a few people I've spoke to are very high on Akangu. Another guy that People that I spoke to, Adam Spinella being one, and then I reached out to somebody else yesterday, and I'm hoping to be able to speak to either Vicini or Jeff Goodman about him, is Jalen Smith, because he will be around around that, that 17 spot most likely. 
And if the Celtics are looking at him and they're, you know, the, what he brings to the table, the all-round game instead of just being a master of one, maybe they choose to stand pat at 17 and try and package 26 and 30 and move out of the draft altogether and just get that one pick at 17. So there's a lot of different moving parts for Boston at the moment that they could package and move off, but does it mean giving away a, a, a piece? Would it be Romeo Langford? I don't see it being something like Vincent Poirier because his values at right bottom. Mm-hmm. So it all depends. Like, who does the other team value? How badly does Boston want to move up to get that guy, or is there somebody that does similar or more than what that? So if you're moving up for a defensive specialist, but you've got this guy who's most likely going to be available at 17, that's a solid defender, but will also give you a bit of a scoring punch. Do you take the drop-off in defense for the additional bit of shooting and stamp out at 17 and then look to move your other two out of the draft? So there's so many moving parts because of having these three picks in the first round and they're projected to have a pick in the second round as well, right? Um, courtesy mm-hmm. of Brooklyn. Yeah. Just I really like – that was – yeah, you definitely need to mention Jalen Smith for the Celtics. You're right about that. I think that's, a, that's an interesting fit for sure. There's just too many – from my perspective and my take on this at the moment is – there's too many picks for how many roster spots are available. There's too many contracts to be given out for how much cap room there is available. So for me, it's about figuring out what position or two positions at most that you feel like people in the draft are going to be able to shore up for you. Figuring mm-hmm. out where they are, what picks they're going to be. Can we move up to try and get a player on that next tier of, on that next level of caliber of player? And if so, yeah. what's it going to cost us to do it? And if you can package, 30 and 26 plus, I don't want it to be Romeo, but he's just the easiest name to throw in off the top of my head. So two clicks plus Romeo and you move up into the top six, but you keep 17 as well. Isn't that something you start to really consider pulling the trigger on if the return is a Kongu? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I don't know how accurate, how realistic it is. Like I would hesitate. Um, but I, I think that maybe, yeah, you could get some teams to potentially bite on that. Um, like maybe, you know, this is a really point guard heavy draft and that's not the most appealing to Boston, obviously. Um, like Washington also, I don't think it's appealing to potentially it is, but John Wall is returning and maybe they just need some actual decent NBA players on their team and some depth. So maybe they're a team that's interested um, but to play devil's advocate a little bit, assuming that you're not able to get a Kongwu, because I think that he's an absolute perfect fit for Boston. I, I love that. Um, I'd give anything to see him in Boston or Sacramento, any team that I get to watch all the time. Um, to play devil's advocate a little bit, I think that since there are a lot of busts in this, that the Celtics almost do have rotation minutes at like the seventh or eighth spot that you could just use more bites at the apple and you know, unless they're in love with a guy and see him available in a trade-up position, maybe you just take a few more shots and see who you happen to the three guys that you get. And, you know, it's a good chance that only one of the three actually end up panning out just with how the draft is. What are your guys' thoughts of RJ Hampton? I know that originally he was projected to be like a top five recruit. And then instead of signing with college, he ended up going and playing internationally with the New Zealand Breakers. I know his stock took a little bit of a hit. He only ended up playing, I think, about 15 games with the Breakers. Um, but he's six foot five, shooting guard, point guard combo, not even 20 years old. Is he a guy that you potentially look at as well for the Celtics if you're trying to find 
another combo guard to come off the bench to give you a little bit more oomph and potentially someone who can end up being a starter down the line. I feel like um, you've already got a bit. Sorry, Brendan, go ahead. No, you're good. I, I hesitate a little bit with these like really on-ball guys for Boston because I, I think you kind of already have that a little bit. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I like was a little discouraged, and, and I think a lot of people were with what they saw um, from Hampton over in New Zealand. So, I, I don't know. I'm a li- like, there's skepticism of his shot, which there's a lot of skepticism of people's shots throughout this draft. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would just lean towards – more of a wing, um, a, a wing player rather than a guard, personally, it, because I, I, yeah, Hampton's not towards the top for me. So I think when you're kind of he's in a tier with a lot of other guys that I'd prefer wings over him is kind of how I feel on that. For me, with somebody like RJ Hampton, I don't see the point in drafting him when you already have a guy like Romeo that's an on-ball slasher that can do everything that RJ Hampton can do, except with a year's. Basket a year's NBA experience already under his belt. I don't see the point in picking him up if you're not moving Romeo because you're just adding another guy into the depth chart that doesn't need to really be there. He's not going to be coming in and playing many minutes over Romeo. He's not going to be coming in and contributing off the bench. For me, if you're if we're taking with the way the Celtics roster is constructed at the moment and the way the salary cap's constructed, every pick you make ideally wants to be able to come in and play spot minutes in a very specified role and be able to produce at uh, an adequate level. Because when the playoffs roll around and the rotations shrink, you need to know you've got one or two guys there that should an injury occur, you've got, you've got that depth that's been slowly developed over the course of the season. Instead of just having a guy that's been in the G League, you've had to call him up due to an injury. And guess what? It's game seven of the second round in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I'll say, like, I guess compared to Romeo, I think that you have a little bit more of a playmaker for others in Hampton um, compared to, like, a self-slasher on Romeo. But I think you're right that those are a little repetitive. Um, Sam Vecini for Boston has Precious Achua uh, that we mentioned uh, from Memphis going there. Um, and, and I think that's interesting. It is a guy that, you know, is going to take a little, bit of, a, a little bit of molding and maybe a little bit of a raw prospect. But he has defensive upside at potentially the five, even though he's been a little bit more of a four. Um, But, you know, like 16 points, 11 rebounds, and about two blocks and a steal per game. I think he's super – he's encouraging there. And I think that's one of those guys that is a sort of bite at the apple type of thing where he could completely bust. But if you're sitting there with three chances, um, and and I think you're able to – if Celtics are sitting there with three different picks, 17, what is it, 23 and 30, I believe, um, that at that point, I'm sorry, 17, 26 and 30, at that point, I think you have a little more leeway to go for some of these guys that could potentially bust. But I'm always, Onyeka is my number one. It's got to be Onyeka. I'm all for it. I think that pretty much sums up everything we've got, right? I haven't really got much more to talk about. Yeah, I'm going to dive into these guys more. That's what I've been, all I've been doing this week. You know, I'm going to keep doing it for a little while here. I'm enjoying it. I've never dove into the draft like this before. So I'll definitely uh, come on back here at some point and really. uh, Yeah, but this has been my problem. I wanted to dive into the draft and then I got hit with an enormous university assignment. So I've kind of been trying to balance both books. Uh, The assignment's coming to the end now. So I'm trying to play catch up 
So over people that are listening will hear like more in-depth analysis coming from me and Brendan's part of this and Tim's looking into it as well. So we will be bringing you more next week. We should have two to three different team covers that will be on. We'll be talking about their picks. We know that Brendan's sticking with Tankathon and taking the sell at number 12. Was it Brenda? Yeah, I guess I could like close with giving you guys my my top three, like realistically available at number twelve. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, and I'll go, I'll go Vassell, I'll go Okoro, even though like that's more questionable because Vassini said he doesn't see him getting out of the lottery, but he could be picked as high as number four. And to me, that's just Atlanta. By the way, like you see, um, recently Chris Kirshner, uh, the athletic the athletic cover for the Hawks, did an interview with uh, the head coach of Auburn about Okoro. Like, I, I think Atlanta seems to be all in on Okoro. Um, but I, I, there's a chance he falls there. Um, and then after that, man, it, it's kind of up in the air. And I'm probably going with a, hmm, I almost want to say Jalen Smith, but it just feels like too far down on the board that you're talking there. I'll go Tyrese Maxey third. Um, and I'll have to get back to you. I'll probably end up updating that three, I'll pro. I mean, this fluctuates all the time. Everybody's draft stuff, um, but right now I'll go Vassell, Okoro, and then Maxi for realistically there at number twelve. Sounds good to me, guys. So you've been listening to the Celtics Blog Podcast. I'm going to be keeping an Excel sheet of this. So if anybody wants to keep up with that and wants to see, just hit me up on Twitter or send me an email, and I'll send you a, le- a link to the Google Doc. And after every episode's released, I will update the big board. So by the time we do the mock draft, it's going to have been fully built out. And it's going to have been built out with either the first, second, or third choice, like Brendan's just done, of a guy that covers that specific team. By the time we get to the end of it, I'm going to have done my research on these players, and I'm going to do a second big board that's going to be who I think should go where. And if I'm not confident in that, then I'll at least do who I think should be going to Boston top three of each pick. And we'll catch you again on Monday. Brendan, it's been good to have you back, man. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Uh, I'm glad to be on here. And like I said, I'm going to be doing more research on this. So I'll definitely be sharing my thoughts more. Yeah, man. Thank you again for coming on. Yeah, man. You guys need to say goodbye. Brendan, say bye, Brendan. Bye-bye. Say bye, Tim. Bye.